Chapter six of From Bangkok to Bombay Siam, French Indochina, Burma, Hindustan by Frank G. Carpenter. This recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Burma and its capital. Coming up to Rangoon from the sea, I traveled along one of the greatest of the world's great rivers. The Irrawaddy rises somewhere in Tibet and flows a thousand miles through Burma before it reaches the ocean. It carries down so much silt that the blue waters of the Bay of Bengal are yellowed by it for miles out to sea, and we traveled for hours through what looked like bean soup before we caught sight of land. The mud deposit made by the river is so heavy that the shore creeps out into the ocean several inches a year. Immense sandbars are created and navigation is extremely difficult. There is a regular pilot service with twenty well-paid men on the list, each one of whom is always on the alert to note and report the frequent changes in the channel. Between Rangoon and the sea, the stream is in many places several miles wide, and at the mouth the shores are so far apart that as we hugged the north bank, we could hardly see the land on the south. Passing Siriam, where the Burma Oil Company has its enormous refineries, we steamed up toward the city. Long before the town came in sight, we could see the tall spire of the Golden Pagoda, and as we sailed closer, another shaft of gold pierced the blue sky. It was that of the Sule Pagoda, under which a Burmese king of the 18th century buried alive an enemy prince. It rises high out of the business blocks in the midst of the city. About the landing, the river is so full of whirlpools and swift currents that ships seldom come right up to the wharves but anchor in the stream while the passengers are transferred to small boats it takes skillful rowing to make the pier without upsetting and i was thankful when i stepped out on dry land in the midst of one of the queerest crowds to be found in all asia rangoon has people of every nation and of almost every tribe of the asiatic continent in its population of nearly three hundred fifty thousand there are seven thousand chinese five thousand europeans and more than one thousand indians from different parts of hindustan the people are of various colors black white yellow and brown and they wear all sorts of costumes the southern indian coolies naked except for their waistcloths have red or white turbans about their heads while their black bodies shine like jet the rich among the yellow-skinned chinese are clad in silks or fine cottons while the burmese strut along in silk skirts of the most delicate colors their heads covered with gorgeous turbans they wear jackets of silk or cotton and look like human butterflies as they move about through the crowds in addition there are the bankers and traders of burma tall-hatted parsees from bombay in sober black and lean skinny black money-lenders from madras who wear only sheets of cotton wrapped around their persons there are indian boys in cotton jackets and waistcloths and wearing caps embroidered in gold thread there are cling women with rings in their noses and burmese girls with plugs in their ears the traffic about the wharves and through the city is carried by strange animals and pulled in strange vehicles though taxis are to be had the usual passenger cab is the gary a four-wheeled open coach somewhat like a victory hauled by an indian pony 
and driven by a hindu or a burman the native gary is little more than a box on wheels with sliding doors heavy goods are usually moved in carts drawn by the humped cattle of hindustan and i have seen great loads of freight pushed and pulled along by half-naked men their bodies dripping with sweat like those of so many horses there are also fine automobiles owned by the europeans with chauffeurs from the punjab of hindustan at the wheels on account of the intense heat no one who can afford to ride ever walks in rangoon where even slight exertion bathes one in perspiration i drove up to my hotel in a gary at a cost of about thirty-two cents and my baggage was carried on a cart pushed by coolies in breech clouts on the way i saw a burman riding a bicycle with a nickel-plated frame he had pulled his red silk skirt high up his thighs and i observed that he had silver clasps on each leg just over the knee to hold it in place he wore a pink silk turban and a white cotton jacket and sat up straight as he pedaled along this afternoon i took a streetcar ride out into the country the railway was an overhead trolley and the cars were divided into two classes with the first class fare double that of the second in order to rub elbows with the people i rode second class sitting between a bengali in jacket and calico trousers and a burmese girl with a pink shawl thrown over her shoulders she had a fat cigar in her hand and asked me to smoke behind me were two hindus wearing gold embroidered skull caps and a burmese gentleman well dressed and with amber plugs in his ears in front was a burmese woman with a baby in her arms the child's head was shaved clean excepting a patch on the crown the size of a dollar and then there were mohammedan women closely veiled indian soldiers in turbans and chinese in loose silk shirts and baggy trousers we went by rice mills and lumber yards in which elephants were working and every turn of the wheels brought a new picture of this cinema show of the far east rangoon already stands third among all the great ports of the indian empire lying here on the rangoon river and near the mouth of the irrawaddy it is at the entrance to one of the most fertile valleys of the world and in time by railroads already projected it may be the gateway to western china as well the city extends for miles along the river and is built back into the flat alluvial delta about it lie some of the richest rice lands of the earth and rangoon exports more rice than any other port on the globe the river is now filled with steamers loading for japan india and europe all along the wharves are river boats and barges which have brought in rice from the country and there are great fleets of them at the mills unloading their cargoes these river boats are the common carriers of interior burma where the chief means of transportation is by water the irrawaddy runs through the land from one end to the other it has many tributaries and these are connected with one another by canals so that one can go over a large part of the lowlands in boats for nine hundred miles of its course the main stream is navigable all the year for steamers of about six feet draft it averages more than a mile in width and at the floods it is in some places four or five miles across the trade of the river is practically monopolized by the irrawaddy flotilla company whose vessels now navigate almost every river and creek 
in addition to its freight traffic which is enormous it does a large passenger business three boats a week leave rangoon for the six-day voyage to mandalay the capital of burma before the country lost its independence these comfortable steamers which are largely patronized by tourists look not unlike our mississippi river boats and make about the same speed the trip from rangoon to mandalay can be made in about eighteen hours by rail on a train that leaves this city every night from mandalay a line has been built to bamo on the edge of china and trains run also to mietkina on the upper irrawaddy near the chinese border the british have a number of projects for railroad building in burma and expect eventually to establish through service from rangoon to calcutta on the west connecting with the railroads of china on the north and east burma is greatly in need of modern improved highways out of fifteen thousand miles of roads of all kinds in its whole area only two thousand miles are well surfaced on account of the dense tropical vegetation and its rapid growth the cost of building and maintaining roads is unusually high to keep back the luxuriant growth the government highway engineers usually clear a right-of-way from sixty to one hundred feet wide and build a sixteen-foot roadway in the center other difficulties are the scarcity of good crushed stone the inefficiency of the bullock drawn rollers used in some sections and the comparatively high cost of labor in spite of the mixture of races and costumes rangoon impresses one as a modern city as the capital of the province of burma it has many handsome buildings to accommodate the government offices the secretariat for instance consists of an enormous structure of two stories built about a hollow square several acres in extent and has as many rooms as one of our big government buildings in washington it houses the chief departments of the government and the place fairly hums with the hundreds of burmese and british clerks who are busy keeping the books of the provincial administration another big building is the post office situated in the center of the city it is a three-story structure with iron porches or galleries around its two upper stories the post office department is under the director general of the posts of india some of its methods are antiquated but it does a business that is enormous and growing for instance it uses ox carts to haul the mail from the steamers and railway stations but nevertheless millions of letters parcels and newspapers are handled every year the postal service also manages the telegraphs and the larger offices have postal savings banks connected with them one of the interesting places of rangoon is the residence of the governor of the province he has furnished a large retinue of servants and gets a salary of more than thirty thousand dollars a year besides an allowance for entertaining the mansion compares favorably with the palaces of europe it is a three-story building of wide halls enormous rooms with twenty-foot ceilings and the great open courts so necessary for comfort in these lands of the sun it is situated in a rolling park filled with palm trees and its acres of closely cut grass are as velvety as the lawns of an english estate when i called on his excellency the other day i drove through the park and passed a greenhouse filled with the most beautiful orchids and my way up to the mansion was bordered with shrubs covered with blossoms 
at the door i was met by soldiers in uniform i first registered my name in the governor's book and then a burmese clad in bright silk took in my card a moment later i was received by the private secretary who presented me to the governor the governor of this province of the indian empire has a big job i suppose most of us know better than the bostonian who when asked about the location of burma replied in a superior way burma burma of course i know where it is i have a cousin out there but he calls it bermuda the burma from which i am writing lies along the eastern shores of the bay of bengal a few hundred miles southeast of the himalaya mountains and just across the way from the peninsula of hindustan on the north it extends close to tibet and on the east it skirts the chinese province of yunnan french indochina and siam on the south lies the ocean the country is bigger than france germany or the spanish peninsula and it has a population of thirteen millions of whom eight millions are the burmans the happiest best dressed and most likable people of asia like the other provinces of the indian empire burma is governed by a dual system known as the diarchy under this certain matters that concern the maintenance of peace order and good government are called reserved meaning that they are to be handled by the british governor acting with the men appointed to serve on his executive council transferred subjects such as local self-government public health and sanitation agriculture fisheries religious and charitable endowments weights and measures and similar questions are looked after by the governor acting with the ministers who are elected members of the legislative council by this division of authority between her representative and the representatives of the people great britain is endeavoring gradually to give british india the status of one of her self-governing dominions the unrest that characterizes the whole empire of india has gone far in burma where it is known as the movement of the young burmans its promoters are the buddhist priests who more than anyone else have taught the burmese to demand self-government thus the agitation in this province is both religious and political the edict prohibiting europeans from visiting buddhist pagodas without taking off their shoes and stockings is a product of the campaign for self-rule as in india non-cooperation without violence has been preached as an effective means of securing home rule for example when the prince of wales visited rangoon a few years ago the nationalist schools held their examinations on the day of his arrival instead of encouraging a big turnout to greet him one cause for their unrest say the burmans is the fact that though governed as an indian province burma is really not a part of india at all they claim that her people belong to another race and another stage of political development doubtless this is why the burmese had been particularly successful in getting reforms from the british government which has been in some respects more liberal to burma than to the rest of the indian empire the forests and the schools are now entirely controlled by the burmans and the women of the province have been given the vote at the foundation of the whole governing system of burma are the village headmen they were a part of the administration of the past and they still come into close contact with the people in the larger towns there is a headman in each ward and in some sections 
these are assisted by certain others called elders the headmen who are appointed by the villagers act both as tax gatherers and local magistrates each is responsible for good order in his ward or village and he has the right to inflict certain punishments no one may take up a residence in a village without permission of the headmen who can order bad characters to leave as a rule the lands and property of the country are fairly assessed by the government and taxes are justly collected by the headmen a large number of the people have land of their own and all are far better treated than they were during the days when they had their own kings even the burmese nationalists will admit this yet law and order sanitation schools and hospitals do not make them any less eager to get rid of the british End of chapter 6